Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, brought to you by Canon Plus. This week's episode is a talk from N.D. Wilson entitled, The Gospel of Winning, from the 2021 Grace Agenda Conference, All the Ugly Isms. Watch the full conference available now on Canon Plus. Okay. So since I get to go first, I can kind of make the theme of the conference whatever I want. I think. I think that's how it's going to work. But the theme is the ugly isms. So if I'm picking, my, my title is called The Gospel of Winning. If I had to pick an ism, I suppose I should just name this an attack on institutionalism, comma, the idolatry of. Or it might be more accurately called mankind's inevitable quest for immortality through structural proxy. Or lack of faith masked by love of organizations. Or loss of mission via idolatry of unit. There's a whole lot of potential titles, but I'm going with the gospel of winning. All of this will be explained, I hope. And we'll even be optimistic and hopeful by the end of this talk, although it's going to be hopeful in kind of a vanity of vanities sort of way. It's all dust and ash and we're all going to die. And isn't that great? And yes, it is. So to get off on the right foot, I've also been told this is a 45-minute talk, not an hour talk. So I'm just going to leave out all the dumb parts that I had been planning on including. But to get off on the right foot, I think we have to start with Chesterton. Always. I think there should be a rule, at least for me. Always start with Chesterton. So here's a cheerful word from one of modernity's most prophetic, excerpted from his essay, Man in the Field, which he wrote in contrast to Man in the Street, about the abuse of and overlooking of the rural poor of England in his day. And Chesterton is not necessarily the guy you want to trust when it came to politics, as a rule of thumb. But uh, this is a great quote nonetheless. The state of things is growing worse every moment. You knew it was about right now. The state of things is growing worse every moment, for all human institutions slide downwards like a landslide, unless they are perpetually forced upwards by criticism and reform. It is vain indeed to speak of conservatism in this world, except as a convenient party label. Unless we are always changing things for the better, they are always changing themselves for the worse. He later cautions against the assumption that if you leave a thing alone, it goes on just as it was before. If you leave a thing alone, he says, it goes straight to the devil. Hmm. Not Chesterton's normal jovial tone. And I should note here that I am, in fact, significantly more optimistic than GK on this exact point. I firmly believe that all institutions must die, but they don't all have to go to the devil. They all have to go into the grave, but not necessarily to hell. Lots of them go to hell. But they go to hell on earth because ultimately institutions have no resurrection. 
All human institutions go into the grave and they stay in the grave. It's human beings that have a resurrection. Institutions are a good and wonderful thing. I am part of a family that has been involved in the founding of a fair number of institutions. And institutions can be described as businesses, congregations, schools, homeschool co-ops, carpool, any kind of human coordination, any kind of human structuring where we form some kind of homeowners association, we have an institution over and over and over again. Anytime, anytime any people are working in plurality, you have an institution, denominations, etc. My grandfather was involved in starting Christian bookstores. Those were institutions. My father in starting publishing houses, schools, a college. I have companies, institutions. I'm on the board of Logos School on the other side of town. I'm happy to be there. It's an institution. It will not see a resurrection. It will go into the grave and not come back. Every kid who's ever darkened those doors or thrown up in those hallways will live forever, one way or another. But those cinder blocks and that org chart will not. Institutions are a good and wonderful thing because it was not good for man to be alone. There was Adam, just a dude, just a guy in a garden, plenty of hunting, fishing, whatever he wanted, all by himself, the closest thing to libertarianism that will ever exist. <laughs> and it was not good. All you libertarians out there, it was not good. Knock it off. With Eve, God not only created the first woman, mother to us all, he also created the first human institution. And I would argue he created three at once, three human institutions all at once, just by making humans plural. Now there were two. And in doing that, we have, at the very least, the existence of the civil realm. Immediately, there's a hierarchical relationship and there's a job to do. And so, division of labor, day one, did Adam just say, follow your heart, babe? <laughs> that came later, actually, and it went really bad. <laughs> no, there's, there's immediately structure. There's a human institution. Obviously, there's the creation of the family. The family's now been created. The state has been created. And it's arguable that the church has been created. Now, that's actually, again, for you libertarians, the only one that might not have been created at that point is the church government. Because at this point, they're not fallen, and there is not a need uh, for covenant renewal worship. There's not a need to actually come before God and have this mediation. I would say I think that a church existed because Adam had to communicate the law of God to another. So he then communicated law to Eve, and he did a bad job. So... She, or she wasn't listening. One of them did a bad job. Because when the devil shows up, she says, she professes that, yes, we shall not eat 
of this tree and neither shall we touch it, which is not in that original prohibition. It's not part of the law. So either that's from Adam, he relayed that to her with the extra no latoka, you know, on top of it, or she was adding that. Either way, law has been mediated. Some law has been given to Adam and he's delivered it to his wife. So you could argue that the church has been created at that point. I don't know that it has. I would argue that it has been. But the state, definitely. And the family, definitely. Most likely, I believe, all three forms of government now exist the instant there's a second person. All three. Now, those are all human relationships and, and the, they can become very formal and we can create ritual and we can adopt policy manuals and you know, rules of order and all sorts of things and things about keeping minutes and moving and seconding and having votes and how the chairman can only vote in case of a tie and all these human institution, institutional stuff. Wasn't there yet, but that's the direction it's going because there's people, plural. And now that we all live downstream from that creation of humans and human institutions, we need to properly understand their use. Properly understood and maintained, human institutions exist to protect and amplify our own abilities as men and women in our quests to fulfill our obligations as image bearers of God, to fulfill the Great Commission, and to live up to Westminster's chief end stated as glorifying God and enjoying him forever. Institutions enable us to be stronger. They enable us to reach farther. They enable us to divide labor and to do so in a way that glorifies God if they are not abused. If we don't immediately begin to love and obey the institution over and against the mission of the institution. The institution exists as an aid to men and women in their pursuit of faithful living. Hopefully, now, post-fall, in fulfilling the Great Commission, and in just existing as faithful fathers, wives, husbands, kids, we're all in relationship, and different institutions can help us fulfill the obligations of those relationships. But institutions... All institutions, all of them, have their own center of gravity. The instant they have mass, they have gravity, and they start to pull, and they start to pull in weird ways. And all of these institutions inevitably attempt, at some point, some kind of geocentric revolution. We're going to replace the sun with the institution, with ourselves. The institution has mass, and it needs to exist in service, of, in service of itself. Like, it just needs to continue to exist. It desires survival. It's like all human institutions are truly Darwinian in this sense. And I've said, after being on the school board for a while, and a couple of other committees and boards, that any meeting that lasts longer than 20 minutes, somebody's going to propose something that, if adopted, will ruin everything. Like, we've been here for 20 minutes, and so somebody needs to say, I move we sell the farm. Let's sell out. Let's lose everything. How about we just rot out and die right now? It really only takes about 20 minutes before somebody throws 
one of those suggestions out. And I, I feel like it's kind of a nature of a bores a vacuum situation. We're talking about whatever, people are saying something, but nobody has yet proposed the wrong way. And so somebody has to. Somebody needs to at least float it as an option. And so this is one of the reasons why you want to keep meetings short. Keep meetings short, but also keep institutions on track. Institutions have to be constantly resisting temptation. Just like humans, because they are collections of humans, there is always the opportunity to fail. If you want to live a long and faithful life, blessing those around you, there's really only one way to do that. If you say, I want to get from here to my grave over the next, hopefully, many decades, only living faithfully, that means constant course correction, constant confession of sin, constant policing of your behavior and constant accountability, uh, and so on, for a lifetime. It takes that kind of constant, constant monitoring. If you say, I would like to ruin my life, you can do that in any given five minutes, right? Not hard. Just to say, I want to ruin everything. That's easy. Kicking the sandcastle down is not hard. Actually living a long and faithful life is difficult. And institutionally, the same thing is true. And every group of people, from your families as an institution, to your churches, to your schools, to your co-ops, all of those institutions are constantly under pressure to cave, to die, to become unfaithful, and to wander from the mission. And I think we've never seen it in such striking relief as we have this past year. Every institution has a center of gravity. All of these institutions start to pull, and they start pulling the people who participate, start pulling people who participate into service of the institution. They all will, at some point, in some ways, try to displace the true center and purpose of their founding with their own maintenance and survival. This switch is the first phase of institutional death. And... I'll add, it is usually implemented by conservatives. Phase one, we even named ourselves after this bad habit. What's the most important thing to us? Conserving something artificial. We want to conserve it. We want to save it. We want to hold it back. We want to preserve it. We want to de-risk a situation for this institution we love because we want it to continue to exist. In some ways, the survival of the institution is now the more important thing to us. Conservatives are all just people who like to put plastic over their couches. But what's it for? What is the couch for? Not for you, Johnny. That's the answer. The couch now exists for its own sake. The couch exists for the sake of the couch existing and for the couch continuing to exist. Like, no, it's, it's for sitting on. That's what it's for. We do this to schools. We do this to churches. We just put plastic over the sofa and tell it to hold still. Just be there and stay. And it won't. And it's not going to. And so it's a complete waste. It's squandered. 
This next portion of my talk I titled for myself and now I'm sharing with you is called Pirate Ships. We have to view our institutions like pirate ships. Your family is a pirate ship. Your church is a pirate ship. Your school is a pirate ship. What is a pirate ship for? Well, obviously, it's for raising hell among the British Navy, right? You're supposed to be harassing the trade routes. You're supposed to be out there terrifying the world. What are you doing with your pirate ship? Well, we're putting plastic over it is what we're doing. Because we're conservatives. God gave us a pirate ship and we've decided its highest and best use is in dry dock over here. And then as it rots slowly in dry dock, we blame the liberals. Realize that your institutions are all mortal and they are supposed to be spent. They're supposed to be used in action. And ask yourself this, if you have a church back home that's very near and dear to your heart, which you should, I have one here. If you ask yourself, would you rather have your church still exist? Your, and I mean by your church, I mean your congregation, that consistent institution, the life of that institution, exist 10 years from now. Would you rather have your church exist and be faithful and be serving, you know, a couple thousand sheep? Or your church be annihilated and have 20 churches that are not your church, and your institution is dead and gone, but there's now 20 churches who are each serving a 1,000. And your denomination is toast, and your institution is toast, and that school you started is toast. Oh, and also, you are dead too. Everything's in the ground, and yet, the gospel, grace, has spread. Grace has expanded. And we all, I think, know that we would rather choose the one where it's like, but could we have all that fruit without us having to die? Can we have all that fruit without our pirate ship having to go into battle? Can we have all that booty without actually taking any fire? The answer is no, you cannot. It's not going to work out that way. We all love institutions. We're designed by God to love institutions because we're supposed to love other people. Being with other people, we're supposed to love honoring him. I, I like our college. I want it to continue to exist for centuries, but I would much rather it go into combat and die fighting, die honoring God and go away and actually have the victory go to our side the victory go to Christ, the, the Great Commission be fulfilled, than to have it stick around and grow lots of ivy on the walls and be reputable and respected and have a big endowment. Now, ideally, we want all of the above, always. We always want all of the above. But remember, it's a pirate ship. And ultimately, if you're using it correctly, it's going to get a little dinged and battered. And you're going to have to swap out at some point. It's going to sink. Think of your family as a pirate ship and how hard dads especially, and moms, you're guilty of this as well, try to just really preserve. Preserve, 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 preserve. 
Put plastic on the couch and even worse, put plastic over your kids. And just mummify them. Because we're preserving, we're preserving, we're preserving. Remember that God sent his son to die young. The son of God made it into his 30s on earth. And that was a success, a big success. And yet none of us pray that prayer for our own kids. May our children actually be really, really potent. May they really image Christ, except for in all the ways that he changed the world. You know, except for that. Preferably with very, very long, well-fed lives. It's fine to desire that, but the most important thing is that your kids be raised as true servants of Christ on mission. And any institution we have, we start with the family and we move really rapidly to the church and we all have it. We're all red-blooded Americans, mostly. Some foreigners probably here, but we all love our countries and that's fine. We should. We should love our countries. But we, all, we develop these loyalties. We develop these desires to see our favorite institutions survive, even if they're not thriving. Go US of A. Really? What are we proud of right now? Like, what are we honestly doing right now that deserves our pride? Not much. I mean, I still really like farming. I like seeing wheat fields stretch to the horizon. I still like apple pie. It's fantastic. But the country itself, the institution, eh, not something we're all super proud of right now, nor should we be. And yet we have this deep desire to simply see it continue to exist. We want it to continue to exist. We feel this way about our congregations, our denominations, our families. God makes a covenantal promise to a thousand generations, but how many of those generations are going to remember you or know your name? Those thousands of generations, if you live faithfully and God blesses your line like he blessed Abraham's, and you have a thousand generations, at what point will they forget you ever existed, but they won't lose track of their actual father? That's the whole point. You're gone. And yet these people who wouldn't even know they're related to you or know that you existed would still have their eyes set on the right place. They won't be looking back at you. They'll looking, be looking at the one you were faithful to because they will be being faithful to the same father. We as conservatives very easily move into preserving the pirate ship enterprises, which frequently turns into cowardice and non-engagement. So we, can't, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't take this risk because the church would be in jeopardy. The state might shut us down. The state might shut us down. So what's your proposed solution? I vote we shut ourselves down first. What? Because there's a risk of us getting shut down. So to avoid that risk, let us embrace it preemptively. And we do this over and over and over again. We have a pirate ship, but you don't understand the Royal Navy has banned these. So 
we're, we're ceasing operation immediately. And the lobby is only open by appointment. Really? Like that, that's how we're going to function? Instead of like hurling ourselves into the fray, instead of rolling into the fray, knowing we're going to take casualties, knowing we will lose congregations, but we will not actually lose the spirit and we will not actually lose the fruit of faithfulness. Faithfulness will be multiplied, which is the point of the institution. Over and over again, we start to focus on the preservation of the institution instead of the mission the institution is supposed to be pursuing. Like, we have to keep this thing going. Now, that is a good and normal behavior. I'm, like I said, I'm on a school board. I want to preserve that institution. I want that institution to live as long as possible. But I want it to be faithful the entire time. And the instant it's not, I want it gone. Faithful. That's what we want. And if it's going to go down, let it go down like the Alamo. Like, let it go that way, as opposed to preserving it like the last blockbuster store in Oregon. Because <laughs> there still is one. And as I mentioned, it's in Oregon. It's in Bend. <laughs> it's not what you should want. Like, we're the, we're the holdouts. We still got plastic on the sofa. It's still here. Look, you say, in the apocalypse. The house is gone. The state is gone. Everything's crazy, but we still have a place to sit. But we're not going to, because we want it to still be a place to sit at some future date. So we're just not going to use this at all. So let's run through some diagnostics, shall we? Let's try to find some nerve endings and then push them a little bit. Anytime an institution starts to receive the service and sacrifice of its people, you're in danger, which means you're always in danger because in a faithful community, people are always serving and sacrificing. An institution receiving the service and sacrifice of others starts to, you know, think it deserves it, thinks it should stick around. It merits it. And so we care a great deal for our families. And we put pressure on our kids to stick with the family business. Stay with the family farm. We've all seen the movies, right? In, in the Hollywood version, Johnny just wants to dance. But it, in the real world, it could be that God called him to do something other than make pizza. But no, you don't understand. We've had this pizza place in the family for three generations. Yeah, but he's supposed to do something else. Like that's like we hang, we hang on real tight. What do you mean you're leaving the church? You're leaving the church? Some of you might be considering pulling the cord and moving to Moscow, Idaho. Somebody, at least one of you probably already has. Uh, a lot of people are moving here. And back home, there would have been conversations that would have gone something like, but the church will suffer without you. It'll be so hard for the community. Really? Is that what your life is for? Is that what you're all about? Does your family exist for the benefit of a community in Des Moines? Like, are you going to sacrifice your children on that altar? 
because you have some friends who have said that this congregation is going to limp without you. Now, you might be called to Des Moines. God wants you there, you stay. Like the whole point is you be faithful. But the instant you think, you know what, I need to be faithful to my family in this way, I need to make this move, and an institution starts guilting you for loyalty, you know you've already got a problem. That can be a church, and this is the easiest one because they feel the most pious, rightly. But it's like, this is, you're supposed to serve the church. You're supposed to serve Christ. And the church, in a healthy way, the church is your mother. And if that church becomes controlling and exists for the sake of one institutional congregation in a cafeteria somewhere, well, it's attempted this geocentric revolution and it needs to go. It's got to go. As long as you're in alignment pointed at the right thing, you're in the right institutions. As long as everybody in the institution is pointed at the right target, you're in the right institution in the right group. The instant any of them turn inward and are talking about preservation and survival of this group, of this structure, it's a problem. It becomes a problem quickly. We do this really, really rapidly, like I say, with families and churches the fastest, but we also do it with schools. We don't want to take risks with schools. We put so much into this. We built this. The Logos School here, I graduated from Logos School. I love Logos School. My kids have gone through Logos School. They had the same fifth grade teacher I had. Like we have all, I've got all the nostalgic sentimentality, we had all the emotional attachment I could possibly have to Logos School, right? The instant Logos wavers, and may she never, but the instant she wavers and looks away from the mission, I need to look away from the institution. I cannot continue to serve that institution for its own sake. C.S. Lewis, in that hideous strength and, I, and elsewhere, but I failed to find uh, the actual quote, so I'll summarize. He talks about how the, the big mistake is whenever the king starts to believe that the kingdom exists for his sake. The king exists for the sake of the kingdom. The instant that king starts to think the kingdom exists for the for him, he's now a devourer. He's now feeding on his own people. The king exists for the benefit of the kingdom, not the other way around. The church exists for the benefit of the sheep and the service of our Lord. The sheep do not exist for the sake of the church ever. The school exists for the sake of the students, not the students for the school. The father for his wife and children, not the other way around. The wife for her husband and children. We all have to be viewing our roles Rightly, the sun must be kept at the center of every solar system. This was, incidentally, the sin of Adam. This has been the sin of countless school and elder boards. Well, we don't want to be divided, so let's all die together. We don't want to tear up the family. I mean, look what Eve just did. Got a very low opinion of divorce, and so I, sh I need to go with her. I need to follow her into this destruction, which is incorrect, by the way. We tend to do that, and we tend to do it very, very rapidly for the sake of unity, wrongly understood. We veer towards the one who's wandering. We follow that person so that we don't separate, so the union, the institution can be preserved. That 
that person's the scaredy cat. You don't understand, that pastor is a germaphobe. Shut the church down. Who gives a rip whether that pastor is a germaphobe? We have to stay on mission regardless of what the institution is doing. Lewis says in Mere Christianity that human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. And we do that with all sorts of things, but primarily with tribal loyalties, tribal affiliations, familial affiliations. And you can see that now in gay identities and other things, people trying to find tribes that will make them feel meaningful, trying to find anything that will make them happy other than God and obedience to him. Luke 14, 26, often quoted, always stressful, many times explained away. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Oh, it's a jagged pill. If any comes to me and hates not the Alabama football team or the state of Texas or Moscow, Idaho or Apple or California or his denomination or the U.S. of A. or baseball or the family farm or his Christian school or the U.S. Marines, hoorah, or anything else that cultivates and exploits human loyalty, then he cannot be my disciple. Your loyalty has to be one place and one place only. And I'm talking about this specifically because conservatives have such a desire to preserve, and it's a healthy desire to preserve, but we have a healthy desire to try to preserve things that don't matter, the exoskeletons of things that are long gone, and this is a time in our culture when there is a great amount of destruction and decay and death, and so there are a lot of people declining to leave the ruins, tending the exoskeleton, Staying in terrible places out of false loyalties. Like we have to all, always be checking ourselves that our loyalty is only to Christ and to all other things only when we are being faithful to him in that love and loyalty. Lewis says beautifully and often quoted, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. They go into the grave and they don't come out. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Given the truth of this, what should our goals be? Well, we should want to fill the world with a forest of good and faithful trees, fully expecting that we and our institutions will all fall and rot in the process. All our pirate ships will sink, all of them. May they sink faithfully and in battle, not in dry dock. Well, it's hard to sink in dry dock, by the way, but you can slowly. We must always be prepared to sacrifice everything on the altar to our maker, including all of our lesser gods that we cultivate for ourselves, our tribes and our brand loyalties, whatever they might be, worldly or spiritual brand loyalties, whatever. Send every one of your pirates and pirate ships 
into battle. We cannot hoard our heartbeats. They're counting down no matter what, and we cannot hoard our institutions. Nor should we try. Do not be frightened when a tree goes down. Your faith is not in the tree. Augustine wrote City of God around a bunch of, you know, in the context of a bunch of panicking Christians as Rome fell. Think about the, all the red, white, and blue America-loving Christians in this country who would be absolutely rocked to their cores if the U.S. goes down. If the U.S. of A. actually goes over, we will discover exactly how many evangelicals have been wrapping their faith in that and not in the one who made everything. We want all of our institutions to live long and faithfully, which means we want big, giant trees. We want sequoias. Right? That's what we want. But even sequoias go down. So what is winning? And what is this gospel of winning? Winning means embracing Chesterton's landslide and trying to be Chesterton's landslide. Plant trees constantly, spreading your faithfulness and grace. Understand that you are, in fact, I know it's in a pop song, but it's true, a firework. You're a firework straight out of Ecclesiastes. Live like it. You giving one hungry kid a PB&J in the name of Christ will last longer than Yale's multi-billion dollar endowment. One. Live like that's the case. And then lay down and die because you will, all of us will. Enrich the soil all around you with your rot and cue up for the resurrection. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for this country. Thank you for all of our institutions. I pray that you would keep us rightly aligned towards you and your son and never led astray by our love or our tribal loyalties for those lesser gods. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. If you enjoyed this talk from N.D. Wilson, be sure to check out the full conference, All the Ugly Isms, available now on Canon Plus.